You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 73. Welcome back, I'm Gavin Webber and this podcast is where you can learn about cheese making at home. I better take a breath. Now, news on the home front, the, I know I harp on about it, the YouTube channel, cheeseman.tv, should, should have reached 100,000 subscribers by now. Um, I know I'm recording these in, these podcast episodes in batches, so fingers crossed, by the time this one's released, which will be on uh, Wednesday the 13th of June, we should have hit 10, sorry, 10, 100,000 subscribers, which is pretty cool because uh, what YouTube give you as a reward for that is a silver play button, or they're calling it a, um, what are they calling it now? I don't know, it's like a silver play button. Anyway, so it's a fancy pants award that YouTube give creators that uh, have reached that uh, that milestone. And it's no mean feat, uh, I can tell you. Um, I've been seriously doing YouTube videos, cheese-making YouTube videos, probably about since 2014, even though the channel has existed since 2009 when I put up the very first cheese-making video. Um, and uh, at that stage, there were a whole bunch of other videos on there as well, which didn't do as well. And uh, once I figured that uh, people were after cheese, I decided to change my entire focus onto cheese-making, uh, which has worked out well for me. Not only have I been able to create a small business out of uh, cheese education, uh, which is uh, my passion, of course, um, I've been able to sustain our family on the income that that, uh, that provides. So really, it's a, a great news story uh, for anybody out there who wants to follow their passion. Um, there are ways and means to get the message out there, not only via audio, via this podcast, but also by video over at uh, YouTube. And uh, the good thing is that I've managed to have a home base for all of this. So the home base is obviously littlegreencheese.com, which is where my, which is my website, uh, which I host. Uh, a lot of the YouTube videos and all of the podcasts get released from there as well. So if you're ever in dire of wanting to leave a comment uh, on any of these uh, podcast episodes, then pop over to littlegreencheese.com. And you'll find the episode there and you can leave a comment below. That would be fantastic. I don't get much feedback uh, on podcast episodes. However, on YouTube, I get lots of feedback on the videos, which is kind of how that platform sort of works. Anyway, so that was the news, my personal news, but I've got some very interesting, normal, cheesy news. So let's get on with the news, shall we? Okay, the news this week is from Quartz Magazine, I think, Quartz Media, uh, and it's titled American Cheddar Cheese Exports Are Up Staggering 83% from Last Year, which is quite interesting because we're not talking about American cheese, which is the processed form 
of cheese that people seem to like those um, those singles, you know, the ones wrapped up in plastic. We're talking about proper cheddar cheese made in the cheddar style, um, brought over all the way from uh, England. So uh, let's read out this news article. Uh, American cheddar cheese exports are experiencing a sharp surge this year, increasing 83% in the first few months of 2018, compared to the same period in 2017. Apparently, the world is seeking to get its dairy fix and is turning to the US. Exports of US cheddar are at the highest levels the country's dairy industry has seen in about four years, the result of global weather fluctuations and comfier American cows. The European Union, New Zealand and the US produce and sell the bulk, almost 80% of the world's cheeses. And sometimes, if unforeseeable circumstances arise, competition between the three markets can tip global cheese sales. That usually includes wet or dry spring seasons, which can throw a wrench into farming operations and cause competing markets to see export spikes. This year, American farmers got lucky. New Zealand experienced unusually dry spells this past spring in August and September, explains Chicago-based high ground dairy analysts Alicia Badger. Uh, Those dry stretches burned out the grass the nation's dairy cows eat, so a normally reliable market ended its peak dairy months short on supplies. Volatile weather, hampering grass growth, which meant the cows didn't have enough to eat and they weren't producing enough milk fat, Badger said. Most of the milk fat the New Zealand cows did produce wound up in being used to create powdered milk formula, which is popular in the Chinese market and can be sold at higher prices than many cheeses, in part because of past food safety scares in the country. The global cheddar supply took another several Another hit several months later when Europe was slammed by a cold, wintry blast during the start of its own spring season. Faced with less product than normal European farmers, poured most of the milk fat into producing Italian-style cheeses including gorgonzola and parmesan, which in most cases can be sold at a higher premium than cheddar. Combined, those two weather events left American farmers in the position to fill the cheddar gap left by their fellow cheesemakers. Anyway, it goes on to waffle on a bit more um, on why it's all so good, but that is really good. You can see that the fluctuation in global climate, as we're currently experiencing, um, is affecting cheese production in various parts of the world. I'll leave it there. So let's get on with some uh, voicemail questions that we have every week. Uh, this first one is from Alan. Hi, Gavin. Great videos. I made your till sit about a month ago, and I've been keeping it in the cheese fridge and washing it with brine. Um, but I noticed today that it started to crack. It's swollen and cracked a bit. Any particular reason why that would be? Thanks for your help. Uh, thanks for your question, Alan. Uh, there's a couple of things I can think of. Uh, depending on the... Starter culture you used, if it's a gas-producing massophilic starter culture, like, say, Flora Danica, then 
that may cause there to be gas in the cheese and it can expand, swell and split. Another thought that you may not be wiping it with the the simple brine solution often enough so the surface of the cheese has dried out and that is then prone to cracking as well. They're the two that I can think of. Um, so it may be there when you cut into your tilsit, you'll find it will have a whole bunch of eyes and that'll confirm theory one. Theory two would be pretty easy to uh, check by just checking the surface of the cheese if it's too dry and it's dried out and it's cracked. So they're the th- two things I can think of. Um, thanks for your question, Alan. All right, the second one is from Tim. Hello, Gavin. This is Tim from uh, Nebraska, USA. Question for you on Emmentaler cheese. I've uh, made that recipe and have encountered during the warm-up phase to allow the eyes to form where mold keeps growing on it. Daily baths in brine gets rid of 99% of it. However, the small stain still remains. Yet the next day, 24 hours later, I will still have to come back and bathe it again. The big question here is, once I have achieved the swelling of the wheel and the eyes have formed and I want to wax this particular uh, wheel of cheese, will the molds return? After that, will the submersion in the hot wax for about six six seconds uh, help eliminate that possibility? Could you please... Uh, get back with me with a response. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Tim. Those sorts of cheeses will get mould on them. That's all there is to it. Um, it'll keep getting mouldier and mouldier, and you're doing the right thing by actually uh, uh, washing it with a simple brine solution. However, what you can do is add in a couple of teaspoons of white vinegar into your simple brine solution. That'll actually kill the moulds off a little bit faster. However, it does increase the acidity of the rind of the cheese. Um, but that's okay. Um, by you washing it daily, one of the things that you're doing unintentionally is actually keeping the rind quite supple. So when it does create the eyes in the Emmental cheese, your rind will accommodate, uh, expand to accommodate. So quite cool. Now your question around when you wax the cheese, will it kill the mould? Most of the time it will. As long as your uh, wax is above 75 degrees Celsius, not sure what that is in Fahrenheit. Let's ask Siri, shall we? Convert 75 degrees Celsius to Fahrenheit. The answer is 167 degrees Fahrenheit. There you go. So if you get your wax up to that temperature, then it will kill off a fair bit of the mould. So it won't produce mould underneath the the wax on the right of the cheese. Uh, also, uh, because you're excluding the air, so wax is not a breathable medium, so you don't get an air exchange. So it, uh, by waxing it, you've excluded the oxygen, which most moulds need to grow. So that will help as well. So all in all, you're doing the right thing, Tim, and I think your Emmental, hopefully, fingers crossed, I haven't seen a photo or anything, um, has probably turned out pretty good. Anyway, uh, next question or statement is from Shara. Hi, Gavin. It's just Shara. I just was on your page and I seen a thing that says that I could talk to you and I wanted to say hi. Great job on the page. 
Everybody sure loves your videos. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Shara, for dropping by and leaving that voicemail. Uh, Shara is one of, I think she uh, first started a face group which is called uh, Learn to Make Cheese. Now, I'm a member there and I often, quite often answer some questions that uh, people ask over on that Facebook group. But a great little community, lots of people asking questions, lots of people answering questions. Uh, so uh, if you are looking for a Facebook group or forum that you want to ask questions of other cheesemakers, I think there's over 10,000 members of that Facebook group now, pop over to uh, Learn to Make Cheese and uh, you'll be accepted uh, anywhere from anywhere in the world. It's uh, non-country agnostic. So um, have a look at that. And thanks for your uh, drop by there, Shara. I appreciate it. Uh, the next question is from Sebastian. So let's play that one. And uh, just be aware, there sounds like there's a chainsaw in the background. Not the best audio, um, but uh, I've cleaned it up as much as I can. But, uh, yeah, just persist with it. It's a good question. Hello, Gavin. This is Sebastian from Chile, South America. Love your page, love your videos. I would like to ask you, what kind of cheese I can make since I only have here a Flora Danica culture and some Ideal brand Rene in liquid state. I already done an Edam. Uh, I've just put it uh, to rest to dry, really. And in three days more, I start the weekly turn at 13 Celsius. Thanks a lot again. I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm putting up a business of cheese here at the south of Chile. So I'm experimenting now, thanks to you, with a lot of success. Goodbye. Uh, thanks, Sebastian, and uh, hopefully no trees fell on your house after that man or woman uh, used a chainsaw to cut down the tree. I'm not sure what was going on there. Uh, anyway, congratulations on your uh, Edom. Uh, sounds like that's turned out well and you've started to turn that. I don't know, it wasn't that long ago, uh, this voicemail. So uh, all good. Now, in answer to your question, Floridanica is a starter culture that has about four different types of uh, lactic bacteria uh, in it. Uh, let me just have a look. So the four strains of lactic bacteria are Lactococcus lactic subspecies Lactus, uh, Lactococcus lactis subspecies Cremorus, which are two main uh, mesophilic starter cultures. And then additionally, it's got uh, Lactococcus lactis subspecies Lactus biovar diacetylus and uh, Leuconsonic mesenteroids subspecies Cremorus. Now, it is known that Floridanica itself produces a buttery flavour and has some gas production. So the types of cheeses that you can make are buttery sort of cheeses. So here's some examples. So Havati, you can use Floridanica for any Swiss sort of cheese um, with the addition of um, uh, Propionic uh, Shimani you can, to make the eyes. Gouda. Edam, as you've already made. Uh, blue cheese, you can make a soft blue cheese. Camembert, brie, 
any goat's milk sort of cheeses uh, like uh, Sherv, so soft goat's cheese. Um, you can make sour cream, buttermilk, cream cheese, cottage cheese, cream, creme fraiche, cultured butters uh, are, are others that you can make, and a lot of other sorts of uh, fresh cheeses. So Floridanica is also known as an aromatic mesophilic culture. So if you have any uh, cheese books, a lot of the those sorts of recipes state that you need an aromatic mesophilic culture and Floridanica is the one um, that you need and uh, you can use. So hopefully that helps out, Sebastian, as uh, puts you on the right track to making some more fantastic cheeses over there in Chile without the chainsaw, hopefully. Well, that's about all we've got time for for this show. If you have a voicemail question, don't forget to pop over to littlegreencheese.com and you can leave your voicemail question for me to answer on the show each and every week. Uh, I would love it, though, if you popped over to either iTunes or to the show notes for this podcast episode and leave a comment. Uh, Let me know. And if you are popping over to iTunes, don't forget to give us a rating and a review. That would be absolutely fantastic. And I'll read those out on the end of every show. I haven't had one since about 2017, so I'm not sure if I'm doing anything wrong here. Uh, But let me know. That would be absolutely fantastic. Also, if you are in the market for any cheesemaking equipment, uh, supplies or kits, then you can pop over to littlegreenworkshops.com.au and we ship internationally and you can find all your cheesemaking needs there. You've been listening to Little Green Cheese Podcast. I have an ebook that you can purchase with lots of recipes. It's called Keep Calm and Make Cheese, The Beginner's Guide to Cheese Making at Home. And you can pick that up at all good ebook retailers or over on my website, littlegreencheese.com. Don't forget that you can check out over 200 video tutorials for cheese making over at cheeseman.tv and that'll take you over to my YouTube channel which hopefully, fingers crossed, has finally reached 100,000 subscribers. If you're, not a, if you're not a subscriber then I would love it if you subscribe to the channel. Anyway, we will see you next week on the Little Green Cheese podcast. During the show you've been listening to music by Kevin McLeod. I played Malt Shop Bop Call to the Dairy Cows and the News Theme.